I would like to focus on the gospel in the second reading from 1 John chapter 3, 1 and 2 and following during my preaching. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, it says, My ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts your thoughts. As the heavens are above the earth and my ways are above your ways, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. God has called us and you and I to enter into a mystery, the family, that today we celebrate the feast of the Holy Family. If you ever want to see how important family life is to heaven, because only from heaven's perspective do we get a glimpse what really matters. What really is important? And that's wisdom. Jesus spent 30 of his 33 years on earth at home, in communion, in dialogue, listening, laughing, working with his adopted father, Joseph, and his mother, Our Lady. So that's the first lesson, the absolute importance of family life. Now, depending on our own experience, to the degree that we received, and the scriptures give glimpses of what family life is through the Bible. For example, in the book of Sirach, chapter 3, verse 9, it speaks about that fathers and mothers need to transmit this blessing. And the blessing, if you were to look up in Genesis 27, Genesis 48, and other places in the Bible, it, the blessing isn't a cross on the forehead. It's five ways to feed, to nurture the hearts of your children with a type of love. And I'll go through it very quickly. The first one, it says, if you were to look up the time when the blessing is handed down, it's a lot of affection, a lot of kisses, a lot of that, rubbing backs, loving human touch. Second, words spoken that give life, that teach, instruct, times to talk, times to be heard. Family life is about feeling and sharing what's happening in your heart. Third aspect of the blessing, children spell love, T-I-M-E, time. Not by giving things. If my mom and my dad give time to me, and I'm not just talking about going to your sporting events, and that's good, but it isn't good enough. It's moments where they are the focus of your heart and your attention, and what is happening in their world matters. Fourth element is this, and you'll find this from Hebrews 12, 5 to 7, that God sometimes has to set boundaries. They're called the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt do this, and thou shalt not do this. And children need boundaries. This is permitted, and this is not permitted in this house, according to the truth of God. As teenagers, you'll think you're the worst thing. They will not want to at times even see you. But when they get older, they'll thank you. So children need clear boundaries. This is permitted. This is not permitted. It's called discipline. And that's in Hebrews 12. 
Because those who are disciplined correctly are treated as children. And the fifth element is if mom and dad are men and women of prayer, just like Joseph and Our Lady, then they can accompany their children and knowing them well, giving them time and affection and those words, they can help them discern God's will. So the decision, what should I do with my life? It's a family affair. Everybody has input and the child feels accompanied and they feel important, noticed in the eyes of mom and dad. Now that only prepares the groundwork, the natural, the heart. But let me tell you one of the greatest enemies to family life. And I've been working with families for many years. My community, that's our, that's our charism, healing the family. One of the greatest en- en- uh, enemies is the phone. The phone is diabolical in so many cases. It can be used for good. But the majority of times, it keeps family from talking to each other. I see it in airports. I'm the only one who's sitting in the airport and everybody else is like this. We might laugh and think it's funny, but the sad thing is, when I meet children that are like that the whole time, I ask them, how are you? Fine. (laughs) They don't know how to talk. They have no idea what's happening in their heart. And the sad thing is, as they get older, they're going to pass that on. Another generation of parents who do not know how to get close to their children. And the children, although they might have lived financially very well, they feel orphaned. And one of the traits of having an orphan spirit is that you think you have to be strong. But it's all about the heart. The geography of family life is pumping the heart, getting into the heart, asking questions. Mom and dad, you should look at your cell phones of your children. Who are they communicating with? What are messages are they sending? Because today, you'll be shocked, even with homeschooled children, what is sent. Remember, I'm the one who hears confessions. And I've seen what happens. It's tragic. The other enemy I want to talk about, guarantee you won't have much love in your family, is if anger is expressed. And if you speak out of anger, you act out of anger, and it consumes family life. Because what happens, wherever anger is exploded in a family life, the demons remain in that room. Because what we're facing today is not just a natural battle, it's a supernatural. That's based on Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to ask families, because the ones that are meant to be the leaders and protectors of the family, mothers are the leaders on the level of the heart. So mommies, you need to get to know how to get close to your children emotionally. And husbands, you need to learn how to talk. Talk. Talk like a parrot. Talk a lot. Share your hearts. Be vulnerable. Your wife will melt if she sees you vulnerable. <laughs> and I recommend a date night for, children, for parents. Once a week. And then a private time with each of their children. To get close. To give them time. Children spell love. T-I-M-E. 
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, you can be angry. Anger is a human feeling. But he says, but do not sin. When do I sin if I'm angry? When I talk when I'm angry. When I'm motivated to act, to say something, or not to do something out of anger. There I'm sinning. Because then he says, do not go to bed angry. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then he'll say after that, do not give the devil an opportunity. So we're talking about that these passions need to be purified. And let's say I did get angry, and let's say I did say something I didn't, I shouldn't have. As soon as possible, St. Augustine has this beautiful advice. If in your sinning you give bad example, in your returning to God, in your repentance, give a good example. In other words, ask forgiveness. Go to confession. I'm sorry, mommy, I didn't do what you wanted me. I'm sorry I pouted. I'm sorry I went off angry. Or husbands and wife, I'm sorry I raised my voice. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. I'm sorry I gave you the cold shoulder. I'm sorry for being angry all day. I'm so and I'll tell you, if you want to talk about addictions that destroys family life, alcoholism. And I know in this culture, in Louisiana, there's a lot of alcohol. My father was the son of an alcoholic. He, he entered his house and saw his dad dead drunk at the age of seven. Marked his life for his whole life. My family life wasn't easy. At the age of 17, I should have been put in jail. I won't give the details. But EWTN does have my testimony. My point is this. Once the children get out, and now you enter into college life and all that. Because when they're children, they think, especially teenagers, they think they know everything. They know everything. And you, who are parents, know nothing. But when they get older, eventually we have to look at something. What wounds do I have in my heart? What wounds do I have in my heart that need healing? And that's where we get the divine doctor, Jesus Christ. I will finish with this just to show you how Jesus looks at our wounds. When I first entered the seminary, I wasn't in there too many years, and I had had a tough childhood with my dad. I should have been put in a foster home. I went to pray, and Jesus told me in prayer as I entered the chapel, Get two handkerchiefs and return. I thought it was an unusual inspiration. I said to Jesus when I sat in front of him, You know, Lord, I don't mind. I do not mind crying. I, don't mind, I do not mind crying in front of the seminary. But let's not make a scene. Why have you asked me to bring not one handkerchief to my prayer time, but two? And I heard these words as clear as you're listening to me. My son, one handkerchief is for you and the other one is for me. And what began to happen, I began to relive my childhood, but with Jesus. Now, why do I say with Jesus? Because if we face life by ourselves, we feel orphaned. 
if we face it with Jesus, and today the second reading says, 1 John 3, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. The natural family life only prepares us for the perfect family, the Trinity. And then if you've healed and you've grown in holiness, guess who begins to parent you? The Father and to mother you, Our Lady. So what we've learned in my community, Family of Jesus, is that the natural, my home life, was only meant to prepare me finally for the perfect family, the Trinity. And each of my prayer time is a parenting moment where I discuss every issue with the Trinity and Our Lady. And they begin to give me their perspective. They begin to parent me. They begin to give me beyond what sometimes I feel I can take. My point is this. It is never God's will that you feel that you're facing life alone. That's a trick of the devil. God wants to come into your life, the Trinity, the family, the eternal family, to be your family, your perfect family. Wives, mothers who do not know so often, and dads also, how to parent your difficult children, ask them, ask them. Have time with them in prayer, and they will begin to teach you from heaven's perspective. But you need to develop silence. To hear their voice. That's why I mentioned cell phones is one of the greatest tools of the devil. It puts noise in our life. May Our Lady teach us with Saint Joseph these virtues that come through silence to be parented by heaven itself. In Jesus' name.